The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. Welcome to Voices of Unity. I'm your host, Rev. Jackie Fernandez, and we are streaming from the tower at the sacred grounds of Unity Village. And I have to say, this tower has been shining its red light every night, along with Kansas City, to support our Chiefs, our now world champions, Super Bowl winners. And, you know, I've got to say that uh, I've been in touch and in tune and um, listening and reflecting on the conversation that's been happening about the halftime show and the controversy. And, you know, I'm bringing that up now because I think it's going to fold right into our conversation that we're going to have today. I'm so thrilled to have on the line with me from sunny Southern California, the one, the only Reverend Jackie Hawkins. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much. So good to have you with us. And, you know, I just want to introduce you to our listeners. I, of course, have known you for years. <laughs> it's probably been yes, 10, 10 years. Yeah, we were, you know, you were ahead of me, a year ahead of me and at Unity right. Institute in seminary. Yes. So we were we're classmates and we worked on some projects there together and and yes, then of course, did. yeah, you graduated, you were ordained in 2013. So actually 2 years ahead of me. Um and then you became the senior minister at Unity of the Heartland in Olathe, Kansas until 2018. That's right. And That's right. now you are in Oceanside, California. Now I'm in sunny Oceanside, <laughs> California, and I must say the weather out here is just amazing. I am totally getting used to this very quickly. Yeah, I would imagine so, you know, and so today here, you know, on my commute in, it started out uh, ice ice droplets falling from the sky and then it turned into like a snow globe kind of situation. So oh, wow. yeah, I live vicariously through your photos that you post on Facebook and I'm so <laughs> grateful and appreciative of that. And I, and I try not to, you know, be jealous in a negative way. <laughs> oh, please don't. Please don't I just appreciate just come it. Come out and visit. I will come out and visit. That's a promise. That is a promise. Good. And you know, you serve, you're still serving unity. So you're not just out there on the beach all day long, every day. You know, that's true. You you have to get the beach time in. But you um, are you also committed to a three year term on the leadership recruitment and development team for Unity Worldwide Ministries. That's right. And you serve on the admissions team for Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute. Yes, that is very important to me. That is Um, such important work that I mean, I remember that experience like it was yesterday. Yes. um, You know, Assisting in identifying and um, culling through um, candidates for for this very sacred work is truly a blessing. It to me, it's a calling. Um, for many years prior to coming into Unity, I was in human resources management oh. at the state level in New York, in upstate New York, and so. Um, I spent more than 30 years in human resources management. So 
um, certainly that background um, helped to prepare me for ministry. I had no idea that the opportunity will present itself so that I could be part of um, a screening, if you will, and recruitment and development for, um, for unity ministers. But this is just, um, it's almost like a dream come true in a way. Oh, I um, love that. Prior, prior to leaving state service, my boss, the, the controller for New York State, said to me, he didn't want me to go. He said to me, Jackie, you can be a minister right here. We uh, need you. And I said, Tom, I have a higher calling. And I did not know that I would be able to do the same kinds of work that I was doing in New York State. And it is just absolutely wonderful work. That is, I yeah, am so grateful. Yeah, that is the amazing thing about ministry, right? We, we think as we're, you know, going through the admissions process and making that commitment to go through the education piece of it, um, that we might be leaving behind every, everything that we've known. And in many ways we are, right? In many ways that is very much the experience. But as you're saying, you know, Spirit's going to use the gifts, the experience, the talents that you have and that you bring um, in service and in ministry in a different way. And, of course, you know, with my role here at Unity World Headquarters, I had, you know, a video and photography business for 15 years. And and then lo and behold, as I was, you know, coming through school, this opening uh, was created for that kind of work. And, and I yes. easily made my home here. So I definitely resonate with that idea. Mm. And I would imagine he was really trying to keep a hold of you. He was, and I, and I appreciated that. Um, and I was, you know, really um, uh, pleased that he was so... Um, uh, comforted <laughs> by my being there, but um, I was able to you know, turn over the reins. I trained other folks for them to step into the kind of work that I was doing for him and for the agency. So um, yeah, it was, it was very gratifying and, and wonderful that he should compliment me in such a way. And I love the work. But I knew that I was being called higher uh, to something much bigger yeah. than New York State government. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I'm so glad you heard the the call, and uh, yes. and, and had the courage. <laughs> yes, and had the courage and faith and wisdom to answer. Yes, you are certainly a blessing to the unity movement. And, you know, so we are here today, um, we officially now in Black History Month, though I kicked it off last week with uh, Reverend Sandra Campbell here on Voices of Unity, because why not get five weeks in if I can? And uh, we've been doing right. some really sacred work together around Black History Month and um, creating a, a formality to the way unity celebrates it. So do you want to talk a little bit about our experience on the committee? Uh, while we were students at Unity? Well yeah, well, yeah, we did start back then, didn't we? I was thinking more recently, but we started uh, together. Our oh, first for... project together was the, for Martin Luther King uh, yes. Day day on campus, When back when that happened. Of course, now our CEO, Jim Blake, actually recognizes, and, and that's a holiday for employees now. But in Excellent. the past, yeah, in the past it wasn't. There were classes on MLK Day. Exactly. The you know all staff were were working, and so the students then created um, an event on campus to really celebrate and honor that. And yes. that, that was our first yes. project together. 
that was our first work together. Back and in 2012. It, it was, <laughs> that's right. It yeah. was fun. And I look fondly back on uh, some of the work that we did. I, I every now and then run across pictures yeah. of our, our team. Yes. Um, it was great work. Yes. And, it and who knew that we would knew? be working on yet another version, if you will. It is. It's another of, iteration, <laughs> right? It really I is. It's, you know, like sort of we, we grew up and we took the conversation to a next level, right? Yes, in did. terms, you know, from the students. And it was actually, you know, we started our work in 2012, but it was for Martin Luther King Day 2013. And and I just know that because I was a freshman, if you will. I was a first year student. Um, but yeah, so we've circled back around and um, in 2019, well, actually really in 2017, when I was working uh, with Unity Worldwide Ministries doing social media, then that was really the first um, effort that we tried, started pulling together um, with Dinah Chapman. She helped a lot with that and um, pulling together the black history of unity specifically. And, um, and then that, that project resurrected for 2019 through social media for the unity Facebook page. So if you are on Facebook and you're not already following, it's at be unity. And that is the main unity Facebook page. And, um, and so I got this committee together of black leaders. It was you, Sandra, Charlene, Dinah. Um, and we started really putting our heads together to formalize like what is, what is the black history of unity? Yes. And um, last year we began to, um, to write some articles. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a couple of articles. One was on Sally Taylor. Uh, another one was on um, uh, the pioneer of um Unity Temple in um, St. Petersburg. And this year, the Gems of Wisdom from Black Leaders of New Thought is an extraordinary publication. And, you know, in looking at it, Jackie, and and in fact, I'm, I'm I'm looking through it right now and seeing all of the pioneering spirits um, of African descent that came through um, unity is just amazing. It really Beginning is. with um, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. Yeah. What an amazing legacy she left for us. Um, I recall doing some re- research on Dr. Coleman when I was a, a student at, mm-hmm. at Unity Institute, and I was just... Um, it was almost like a transformational experience reading about her, what she went through, what she determined that she would do as a student standing in her truth, standing in her truth in order to um, reform unity and, and bring into existence more people of color, more African-Americans to live on campus you know, she she decided that, you know, she wanted the information, she wanted the experience, she wanted the the spiritual depth, and she was willing to do that. But at one point, she said, "No more will I live off campus. I am going to live on campus. If you want me, and if you want more people of color, 
you are going to find a place for me right here on campus, regardless of what's going on in the outer world. We are unity, and therefore there is no reason why I cannot live on campus with other students. I, you know, the courage that it took for her, the courage and the um, uh, the will, the zeal, you know, yeah. list all yes. of the 12 powers yes. that she garnered to to truly transform our our movement. I am just um, I'm still in awe of Dr. Coleman and and she certainly um, thinking of her gives me strength to Absolutely. move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so much, you know, so we, you know, we decided for the committee work that we would sort of have this cutoff of the 80s, you know, because, you know, we're covering 100 years here yeah. or more of, of history. And um, and we needed to, you know, I think to really do it justice, you know, we need to make it manageable. And, um, you know, and so for social media, we've, you know, talked about the first um, ordained and, and I should say recorded. And because, the, in the archives, of course, um, there's like just sort of a roll call, if you will, of ordained ministers. But in the early days, you know, they weren't necessarily tracking race. Um, and so, you know, we were able to pour through the photos. And from the photographs, um, we found like the two first um, ordained black ministers, and they were both women. And, um, you know, I think that's such a, a, an important part of Unity's history is not only that we were ordaining women from the early days, but also that we were ordaining black women. Yes. Yeah. Um, because black women have played such a huge um, role in, um, in this country, in um, religious and spiritual movements. Um, in fact, as a segue into my experience in the civil rights movement, think of Rosa Parks. Yes. You know, we always talk about Martin Luther King and, you know, I absolutely love Martin Luther King, him being um, one of my ministers and, you know, my first minister in, in college. But the the person who truly got the civil rights movement of the 60s started was Rosa Parks. Mm -hmm. And this woman was um, a God-fearing, strong, uh, mild-spoken, but courageous woman who said, I will not give up my seat. I will not give up my seat on this bus. I will stand here, I will sit here and be seen and be respected. And so she and, of course, others then moved forward to identify a person in Martin Luther King, someone new to Montgomery at that time, mm-hmm. 26-year-old, you know, uh, brand-new uh, minister just getting his PhD uh, from Boston College coming into town. And so they knew that they needed someone who 
was fresh and not afraid of the white establishment there in Montgomery. And the white establishment in Montgomery could not um, intimidate him so that he was able to have all of the uh, credentials, if you will, in order to move this, um, the civil rights movement forward. Mm -hmm. So yes, women, black women uh, in particular, have a, um, a legacy of strength that we, uh, you know, put out there so that we can um, really assist in, in assisting our people in gaining the respect, gaining the knowledge, gaining the, um, you know, the business acumen, uh, supporting our families that we need to do. Yes. So, yes. Well, and I love that you're, you know, that you're bringing the, the context of the civil rights movement. You know, um, it's so important, I think, to sort of cross-reference our our pockets of history, you know. And so, you know, you talk about Rosa Parks, and that was 1955. Yes, it was. And so when we're talking about the unity history, the two first ordained black ministers uh, were 1952. To, let me, yes, 1952. So we got in the game early in that way. And yet when you started talking about Johnny Coleman and her mm-hmm. taking a stand, you know, another strong black woman engaging yes. her divine power and saying this is not acceptable. That was in the 70s. So we got in the game early, <laughs> you yes, know, and and at that point it was, you know, the Unity School was correspondence courses. People weren't coming to the village for, um, you know, for ordination and for, for education. It was happening in the communities. Um, and so when it did become the residential program, um, black students were not permitted to stay on campus. That's right. And so, it, you know, there's like a disconnect. And, and I think that reflects the area. You know, we're in Missouri. Um, it reflects society as a whole. And, um, and yet for the consciousness of the unity movement, you know, it was a huge disconnect. Yes. And for. Um, well, maybe not for the consciousness, but for the teachings. For the teachings. Yes, exactly. Disconnect. Um, Right. Um, the consciousness hadn't quite right. caught up yes. yeah. with the teachings mm-hmm. um, of unity. So um, so Johnny Coleman, you know, was able to say, we are going to, I am going to assist unity. Now, maybe she didn't say this out loud, right. but she clearly said it. Her soul said her it. Action. Yes, yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, I am going to help unity catch up um, with its teachings. Yeah. And therefore, um, this is this is why I am here. You know, I am being true to where I am in consciousness. And we are all called to be true to where we are in our consciousness. Yes. Which is what I was doing when I left state government to answer the call to ministry. I was being true to myself. Each of us has to be true to ourselves. And this gems of wisdom 
is an excellent um, example of how so many of um, African-Americans in unity answered the call to be true to their consciousness and yes. shared that truth with the world. Yes. The way, in the way that they knew how to share with the world. Yes. And so that gems of wisdom that you're referencing, and you said you had one there. I've got one here with me, too. And it's this uh -huh. booklet. So last year, you know, as I was saying, our committee, we did the social media sort of campaign for Black History yes. Month. And we, we gathered some articles. We had posts. There were videos. And, um, and then we pulled some of that in. Plus, we gathered more information to create this booklet for 2020 in, um, with our outreach department here at Unity World Headquarters. And so we expanded it to Black Leaders of New Thought. So, you know, we sort of, you know, formalized and, and got more information of the unity Black history pulled together. But then we expanded it to New Thought to bring in other voices and other leadership to really show that, you know, I mean, New, new Thought isn't big enough to really just keep it separate because we have a crossover. We have a lot of crossover. And and I want to just throw out the website um for people to look through this stuff because it's there's so much amazing material there and it's unity.org slash black history. And I put it on my Facebook post for this show, this particular episode. So if you follow me, you can also follow the link from there, but it's unity.org slash black history and everything is contained there from last year as well as, as this year. Yes. You, you have done an excellent job in, in, in that Jackie. Um, and as we were saying, this book is so um, packed with excellent information yes. and insights yes. into what was going on um, with our Unity pioneers and not just the Unity pioneers, but with um, our contemporaries right now, mm -hmm. that this is something that needs to be shared very broadly. Yes. I'm not sure what your distribution has been thus far, but when I was reading it, I said to myself, every Unity uh, person, student, uh, needs to have this in their hand. Yes. Every person who is um, a spiritual seeker needs to have this in their hand. And one of the things that it reminded me of was when um, I started in Unity um, in, the, in, the, in the mid 80s, the way I got <laughs> into Unity was, um, I had been a spiritual seeker for, for many years. Um, and somehow I came across the Daily Word. I, I read a number of devotionals, but I came across the Daily Word and the Daily Word truly resonated with me. And then one Saturday, I went to um, a sorority meeting and two of my sorority sisters were Unity members. I did not know that. Um, and so they, they approached me after sorority meeting and said, so Jackie, um, what unity church do you attend? I said, unity. <laughs> and they said, yes. They said, um, I was the chaplain for our sorority. And they said, yeah, during devotional, you always read from the daily word. And I said, 
the daily word is connected with unity. (laughs) (laughs) So many people don't realize that. So many people don't realize that. And so um, they both invited me to the Unity Church in Albany, New York. And I had no idea. And of course, from that, from the moment I walked into the church, I knew I had come home. Um, And it took some years for me to finally commit to, um, to membership because I had a Baptist background and my mom, my father being a Baptist minister, I was quite loyal to him. So I did not want to um, do anything to uh, disrespect him. So I, I, I finally shared with him that I was attending unity and I was going to become a member and I wanted to share that with him, but I wanted to make sure um, that, you know, there was, that he understood there was no disrespect. Um, He just very lovingly uh, supported me in my decision. Um, He just wanted to make sure that um, I was in a loving spiritual community. That's beautiful. That really is. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So, um, so you, so getting back to our gems of wisdom, yeah, yeah. it needs to be, it does. In, you know, ev- yeah, in everyone's uh, hand. Yeah, it really uh, does. There's so much. I mean, it's, you know, there's uh, Reverend Della Reese, Reverend Dr. Barbara King, you know, yes. there's Tracy Brown from, you know, I mean, so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's new thought. It encompasses the history and, and it's, and it's experiential. So it's not, you're not going to get it and, and feel like you're reading a history book book like in the dry sense of exactly the way. but hopefully most people by now you know history is so rich but it's also it's you know it's the work and the ministries of these great black leaders and so it's you know it's from some of it is from the perspective of of you know our contemporary leaders and all written by you know black leaders some of it's from from the perspective of you know like the article um Let's see, I'm looking through Reverend Charlene Manuel wrote about, you know, Johnny Coleman. It works if you work it. So you get to experience Johnny Coleman's teachings, but you yes. also get to experience, you know, from the voice of Charlene Manuel. So there's there's so much depth in here. And that music means it's time for our break. So we're going to be back with much more civil rights movement, black history and so much goodness with Reverend Jackie Hawkins. We'll be right back. are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. We are back, and I, of course, have with me Reverend Jackie Hawkins, and we are talking about civil rights, black history, and unity, and a new thought, uh, the work that we've done together on this committee to create Gems of Wisdom, which is a booklet, as Jackie says, you need to have in your hands, both Jackies, both Jackies United say, you need to have this book in your hands, and it's, you know, it's an easy read, and it's so inspirational, and I'll share, actually, a piece of it here um, in a little while, but I want to circle back, um, because you kind of low-key dropped that you were a 
member of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's church. And so I want to I, talk to us more about that. Well, let me let me give you a little bit uh, more background on how I got to become a member of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's church. Um, my, as I indicated, my father was um, a Baptist minister, mm-hmm. in, um, and he was a Baptist minister in Longview, Texas, during the 50s and 60s. And um, as a preacher's kid, um, and it was uh, my experience um, that I saw up close the um, the happenings, the inner workings of the civil rights movement uh, from the perspective of Longview, Texas, this small town in, in Texas. My father was uh, the secretary of the local NAACP. He um, shared with me, along with my brothers and sister, um, a love for justice, um, uh, an understanding for what is right, uh, and and what our responsibility is in giving back to our community. So when I graduated from high school, I knew there was one one college I wanted to go to, and I only applied to that college, and that was Spelman College. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> that was Spelman College in, in Atlanta. You know, it was an all-female college, you know, uh, primarily African-American. Uh, one of the high school uh, teachers in Longview was a graduate of Spelman. Wow. And I adored her. Yeah. And so... Uh, my parents were not very happy with me um, that I, you know, only applied to this uh, one school. They said, well, what if you don't get in? And I said, I'm going to get in it. Of course, I got in it. I got a scholarship to Spelman. So anyway, um, so I got to Spelman. I understood that as a um, preacher's kid, mm-hmm. I was going to go to church. Okay. I was going to go to church. Yeah. And there were a number of um, classmates of mine in my dormitory, uh, Morehouse North was the name of it, um, who were also, um, you know, very much into the church. And so there were a group of us who decided that we would uh, go to church. And one of my friends um, had been a member, was a member of Martin Luther King's brother's church in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Reverend A.D. King. And okay. so Alma, that was her name, she said, why don't we go to um, Martin Luther King's church? I said, okay. <laughs> I just told that I, I have to be in church on Sunday. So, <laughs> you were so, like, yeah, <laughs> I, it's just, we need to pick a church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, so um, we, we called, uh, they even had someone from the church, uh, to come and get us um, on Spillman's camp. So we went to church. Um, uh, That first Sunday, Martin Luther King was not, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was not there. He was, you know, um, on the road um, doing his civil rights work. Um, But um, we joined. 
Uh, I was one of the people who joined uh, the church. Now, um, one of the um, one of the ceremonies, if you will, that that one does in the uh, Baptist church when you when you join, if you are already a member of another church, you are given the right hand of fellowship um, as uh, a symbol of your being welcomed uh, into the church as a as a full voting member. So uh, we did not, of course, get the right hand of fellowship that day. <clears throat> it was going to be the following Sunday. And, um, and unbeknownst to me at that time, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was going to be the person, the minister, wow. not Daddy King, but Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was going to be the person to uh, extend the right hand of fellowship to all of us. So this was on uh, September Sunday evening when I met Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King when he extended to me this 17-year-old, you know, bright-eyed 17-year-old <laughs> girl, the right hand of fellowship into wow. Ebenezer Baptist Church. That experience, I can still feel it to oh, this day, Jackie. I'm getting chills. I know you get in chills, right? Yeah. yeah. That experience in uh, him extending uh, the right hand of fellowship to me was just um, was just amazing. You know, it was electrifying. He, um, I was struck by the fact that he he was about the same height as me. You know, I was, yeah. you know, at that time, you know, I've shrunk a little bit now. <laughs> I was five feet eight. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to, you know, look at him, um, you know, eye to eye. And what I saw was this, you know, very welcoming, humble mm. presence before me, fully accepting me as a strong black woman and student, of course, you know, into his congregation i you know i was in awe but i felt so welcomed i i understood you know he was uh, he was more than what i had seen on television he was more than what i had read in newspapers and magazines and and even what my father uh had shared with me because my father of course had met him many times being a, a Baptist minister, sure, had met him sure. many times. Um, but he showed me that, that he was he was more than than this, you know, like flat surface mm -hmm. Martin King. He was, right. you know, he was a full three-dimensional yeah. uh, or even fourth-dimensional <laughs> right. uh, Martin because, because his spiritual presence was yeah. huge. Yeah. It was absolutely huge. Um so that's how I became a member of um, Ebenezer Baptist Church and um, had the opportunity to, you know, to hear um, uh, Martin Luther King uh, speak, you know, on, the, on Sundays, you know, with oh, in all of his uh, amazing oratory, um, you know, he knew the Bible backwards and oh, forwards. Yeah. He was able to to share his his full appreciation and understanding 
of the Bible, not only from a literal perspective, as as many Baptists continue to do, but from a metaphysical perspective. He was able to bring to life what the Bible, what Jesus truly meant for us today. Yes, exactly. uh, In the contemporary. So um, it it was it was an amazing education, an amazing education. I love it. Like in a way, it feels like you were ordained by him. You know, just that that experience. You know what? I never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right, Jackie. Yeah. Absolutely right. But you know what? The other thing that 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 uh, that experience, uh, that initial experience and 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 other instances of of seeing him and being in his presence up close uh, did for me. It also reminded me that I had been living in a very familiar way with what Martin Luther King was showing me through the example that my father gave me. Mm -hmm. Father's um, uh, sense of integrity, sense of spiritual centeredness, um, uh, sense of what is right, uh, what is loving to do. And the loving thing to do in terms of treating your, um, your brother and sister is to is to always give them the same kinds of opportunity mm-hmm. that you have, regardless of whether you are are white, black, rich, poor, whatever. We are all one in the eyes of God, and we are one. I mean, you know, that is one of our unity principles. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. We are right. There is one presence and one power, and so. Mm-hmm. And so my father lived that, even though he didn't know he was living unity. Right, right. <laughs> At the time, or teaching us, he was living that, and 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 so and so Martin Luther King, when I met him, was a wonderful affirmation of what I had been seeing and living up close yeah. um, in terms of my father. Oh, I love it. Thank so you. I so am much. so blessed. You are so blessed, and you bless us. You bless us. And so thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think, you know, I always love to say Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, because most people, you know, when you hear the reference, it's Dr. Martin Luther King. And it's that peace cannot be lost, you know, no, especially in our unity context, when that intersectionality of justice work and spiritual practice is like people really have wanted to keep a distance and a separation there. And yet it is our shared history, you yes. know, that that spiritual leaders have been paving the path, have been, you know, blazing trails for justice yes. work. And we can trace that all the way back to Jesus. Absolutely. Gandhi, Absolutely. Mother Teresa. That's right. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Yes, our our way shower, you know, God, Mother Teresa. Yes. So many more. So many. Um, 
Go ahead. Dr. Johnny Coleman, you know, the Reverend Dr. Johnny, Johnny Coleman. Coleman, you know, I mean, it's, you know, and so, you know, I, you know, I always ask the question, what are our glows and grows in unity? Because I think there's been a transformation. I think I've seen it certainly in my, you know, 10 years in, in unity. I've certainly seen the conversation shift to where there is more of an openness there or are more unity leaders who are wanting to engage justice work and social action, spiritual social action, and really trying to bring that forward and and doing it from a grounded you know and principled place and sometimes that conversation just sort of even turns in on itself because we want to we're so concerned about being grounded and in, in, in principled place that we forget the part of where we need to take action and take steps yeah and and because of how I was raised for me, there is no separation between um, our spiritual lives and being in the world to promote social action. Spiritual social action is just who is who we are. It's who I am. And so as I have seen um, unity become more, become bolder, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Say, in owning who we are, I am. I am. I'm just thrilled. Um, and, you know, I'll, uh, the last couple of years prior to my moving out here to to Southern California, um, participating in in some of the uh, social action work that uh, Reverend Randy Fickey of Unity Southeast yes. Church. Mm-hmm has been doing and I know Jackie you have been part of that as well mm-hmm. and and Reverend Kelly Isola yeah. um and it's you know seeing unity southeast come alive again and yeah. being the community under Randy's leadership is just it's wonderful it's a breath of fresh air it is is in my view going back to our roots in yeah. who we are here to be, and 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 I just want to applaud uh, Randy and and other unity uh, leaders, spiritual leaders who are um, going back to our roots and doing the work that we are here to do. Yeah, we can't. I mean, it's you know, like I I presenced in the in the first segment, we have this history of early ordination of women and. Mm-hmm. And black women. And we're talking in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. You know, I mean, that is a radical history. Yes. In especially in a Christian context, you know, which is our, you know, that is our cultural and spiritual context. And, you know, and so it's, it's, it's a little weird in some ways that we have like this sort of, um, also this experience of like, oh, we, we got to hold back a little bit. We got to hold the line. And yet, you know, the Fillmore's came forward. You know, I am convinced Myrtle was a feminist. I'm convinced Charles was a feminist. I am too. You know, I mean, they were bringing all voices to the table. And 
we have an opportunity, I think, to live up to that history and to continue to expand it. And and we do that in many important ways. You know, we the LGBTQ community has always had a home in unity and yes. um, and in leadership, not just like you're welcome here, but like they right. are unity. You know, this community is it's in the fabric of who we are. And um, and. There have still been experiences even in, in certain congregations and and even here on campus at Unity Village where there has been a disconnect in that, um, in the practice of, of that. So, you know, we are a body of humans. Yes. So, you know, we don't always get it right. Um, Correct. And, you know, I think it's important for us to always, you know, when we know better, we do better and to bring that conversation forward and really to challenge ourselves, um, especially in this present time. Yeah, you know, we are forever evolving. And so, you know, just as in the uh, spiral dynamics, Mm -hmm. um, understanding of of our evolution of consciousness, um, there are times when we look uh, like we are, are, you know, living our full expression of spirit. Then there are other times when <laughs> we look like we do not know who we truly are. Yeah. Yeah. So so it is it is important that we continually understand that we are in this um spiral dynamic of of evolution of consciousness and truly own the truth yes. of who we are. And so that that's one of the reasons you know, that I say I just so applaud uh, Dr. Johnny Coleman and, and uh, you know, Reverend Sally Taylor, um, you know, and, and others uh, who are just have been so bold in living, yes. uh, from what I have seen, their highest level of consciousness. And when they have... Um, you know, because we all do, uh, you know, then quote, fall back into our humanness, our ego selves, they understand that, well, it's time for me to move forward yeah. and take it higher, yes. take it higher, go within and take it higher. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and nowhere in that, did you say, and feel ashamed and, you know, that, that was not in part of your process. And and I want to say that because then there kind of becomes a tendency of like, well, of being defensive about, well, let's not, you know, I am inclusive. I am, you know, welcoming to all I am, you know, and the sort of defensiveness that comes out, you know, because yeah. our teachings say one thing, but our lived experience, yeah. when we discover a place where we have opportunity to go higher, it was just like in that moment, we just go higher. We just yes. elevate. We just lift, and and all ships rise. Right? We all come into yes. that. I Absolutely. So I'm going to read from the booklet because it actually, right. without even you know, without scripting this, uh, the, what I chose to read actually like really summarizes a little bit of what of everything that we've just said. And this is from the article by Galen McDowell, who happens to be a, another host here on Unity on, um, Online Radio, and uh, so he yeah he has his own show, and his article is called Hardcore Metaphysics, and you were just talking about metaphysics, so I'm just yeah. going to read from his article. 
many people have been marginalized because of race, gender, social status, religion, sexual orientation, and much more. When you realize the psychological damage that went along with the marginalization of people for centuries, you can understand what Dr. Carter G. Woodson conveys in The Miseducation of the Negro when he writes... And this is a quote. If you can control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. When you determine what a man shall think, you do not have to concern yourself about what he will do. If you make a man feel that he is inferior, you do not have to compel him to accept an inferior status, for he will seek it himself. If you make a man think that he is justly an outcast, you do not have to order him to the back door. He will go without being told. And if there is no back door, his very nature will demand one. End quote. When you know, isn't that powerful? When you know, he goes on to say, when you know who you are spiritually, you create your own freedom. Amen. That's so good. And then he says, I believe new thought must remain true to its hardcore metaphysical roots. New thought without its roots is progressive theology without any power. There is something radically right about human beings. How about that? There is something Mm -hmm. radically right about human beings. And we have the opportunity to teach people how to express the goodness within them. The world is waiting for our hardcore metaphysics so we can help transform human consciousness. Yes. I love it. Applause, applause, applause. applause. Clap, clap, clap. Happy dance. That's so Mm -hmm. good. And it really just, you know, we we hit the core of all of that um, in terms of who we are in unity how our metaphysics, how, you know, scriptures work. And when we bring our spiritual practice alive, that intersection of justice work, the intersectionality of that with, um, with our spiritual practice and our spiritual belief, it just folds right together. Yes. And our day, and our word today is possibility. How yes. awesome is that? Ah, it's so good. With God, all things are possible. Yes. And it says, when I am guided to pray about something, I open my mind and heart to infinite positive possibilities. I quickly reject any feelings or thoughts of doubt or concern and replace them with hopeful faith. I do not need to know exactly how or when prayer will be answered, yet I have absolute confidence in the result. Johnny Coleman yes. had absolute confidence in the result. Yes. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks had absolute, absolute confidence. confidence in the result, regardless of the fact that they were, um, you know, that water hoses were turned on them. Mm. Dogs were, were, were turned on them. Uh, Mar- Dr. Martin Luther King's house was bombed a number of times. He was stabbed. I mean, mm. Rosa Park lost her job. All of these things happening, but they understood the possibility under the, and they had the confidence. They knew that spirit was always present. Yes. There's one presence and one power, God, the good, omnipotent. Amen. So good. It's so good. And when we bring that power and that presence of mind and all of those examples you just named and and so many more. I mean, these the lived experience today yes. for black men and women in this country, you know, is not entirely different 
from right. the examples you just gave. You know, we see it in the news, we see it in the press, we see it on social media. And, you know, I think there's been a light shown on the underbelly of what, you know, has largely remained hidden, has been known by so many because it has been the lived experience. But, you know, what we see in the news now, um, you know, it just brings to light, you know, the relationships between the police and people of color and how um, just, you know, how justice is imparted or not. And these are things we've known, but when the light is shown, then it gives us opportunity to, for all of us to call up to a higher way of being. Exactly. You know, and at the, exactly. at the beginning of the show, when I started talking about the Super Bowl, you know, we were hearing all over social media this talk about whether the halftime, you know, whether the dancing and the costumes were, you know, appropriate, and you know, and and so many people having missed the message of the children in cages at the border, and the message, and the, that celebration of, you know, Latin power of women and power, and and a performance art and all of that. And, and also the, that, that message of, you know, born in the USA, we need to say yeah. it out loud and, and bring our attention where it's rightly due, which is, you know, at the border. And it's just, it's opportunity at every turn to keep our mind and our consciousness clear about focus and yes. and rightness. So, you know, as the words of Galen McDowell, like we it is there's so much right about being human. John, Johnny Coleman, you know, it works if you work it. You know, that's, yes. she's calling us to a presence of mind and and to be that highest self and that presence Absolutely. of the divine in the world. And I would just like to to share another quote from Reverend Martin. Please do. And it is, um, where do we go from here? It's mm-hmm. a, uh, from a speech that he, he wrote. Yes. It says, what is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless mm-hmm. and abusive. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. And justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love. Oh, so 1967. Good. Yes. So good. That music means our time is up. So we're going to close with that. That was a beautiful way to end the show. And we're going to continue Black History Month next week with Reverend Charlene Manuel. Until next time, tune in and tune up in spirit. Thank you, Reverend Jackie. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.